This episode is brought to you by BetterHelp. Despite the fact that, as you know, I don't believe in time, I find myself often wishing I had more of it for the things I want to do, the things that give me joy and peace and spark my creativity. But often, it feels like life's obligations can be overwhelming, and I run out of energy for the things that really matter to me. Therapy is a great way to help not only hone in on what's truly important to you, but also to plan how to include more of it in your life. I've found that through therapy, I've become more adept at empowering myself through setting boundaries, making self-care a priority in my day, and making time for mindfulness and rest. As a result, I'm not so afraid of time anymore. If you're hoping to start therapy and are looking for a convenient and flexible way to include it in your schedule, BetterHelp is a great option. It's entirely online, you complete a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist, and you have the ability to switch therapists anytime you like, at no additional charge. Learn to make time for what makes you happy with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash darkcold today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash darkcold. Let's make time for a breath before this week's episode. Breathe in slowly. Observe the breath for a moment. And exhale gently. Let's begin. Welcome back, my friends. Thank you for coming to visit me again here. Where have you spent your week since we last spoke? Did you spend it in bright rooms full of sunlight and music and company? Did you spend it in quiet darkness under stars and trees? Did you spend it in a castle of your own design, with a special room tailored for every need? Did you spend it floating in a kaleidoscoping expanse of stars and planets and thoughts and feelings? Probably a little of each, I'd imagine, 
if you're anything like me. This is Kristen. Sometimes I'm not, really. Well, I mean, I am, but I'm not, and if that seems like a cop-out, it kind of is. But anyway, this time, it's Kristen. I'm going to tell you a story this week. You see, the other one normally would, but she's having a bit of a time. Somewhere, there's a castle, and she's haunting it. Formless and mad, a poltergeist throwing itself against windows and doors and walls. She rants and wails and weeps and creeps around, smashing glasses and shaking the artwork threateningly. A cat arches its back and shrieks out of fear of the thing's wrath. The ghost needs to be let out. The formless specter who normally lights candles and wanders gently. But sometimes she has moments where she is not quite so eloquent. And not terribly friendly, frankly. But that's okay. I can take a turn. I can keep it together while she has her moment. Lord knows I have my moments, too. And my, oh my, does she know how to shine in those times. Do you know this feeling? Do you ever have to take turns with yourself? Hey, okay, so I'm going to do a story. It might have taken three days of saying to myself that I would, but here it is. First, let me just say, I discovered something interesting this week. I read an article online about it and became a little fascinated. It's the concept of jamais vu. It's the opposite of déjà vu. Have you ever repeated a word to yourself over and over and over so many times that it suddenly made no sense? seemed completely unknown and incorrect, out of place. That's kind of a simple example of it, I think. Something usually very familiar seems all of the sudden completely not familiar and unusual. That would make a good story, I thought. If only the whole concept of creating one of these episodes didn't suddenly seem very difficult and new. If only I remembered that I do this every week and I have a system by now. If only I wasn't experiencing the very thing I want to write about. Wait. Oh, I'm sorry. She wants a story. She's craving one. She needs some place to go. The emptiness of the castle is getting to her. She needs company. She needs atmosphere and mystery and romance and action and moonlight and all the things that aren't there right now. Because she's in darkness 
in the strange between-time, non-time that exists when this show isn't being created. She must be very afraid. She is. I can feel it. I wonder what kind of story would make her happiest. Probably vampires. She likes a vampire story. All right, vampires it is. Once upon a time, there was a vampire. How do you want him? How do you want her? Since I'm taking requests, what kind of vampire do you want? A beautiful one. That goes without saying. What else? A powerful one. All right. Anything else? Will they love me? It's not about you. You need to get over yourself. I'm just lonely here. Maybe so. You just need to rest. All right. All right. Once upon a time, there was a vampire. He was beautiful. And he was powerful. Is there a castle? (sighs) He lived in a castle. Like mine? Yes. Just like yours. This vampire lived in a castle with several other vampires. They were all beautiful, and they were all powerful. And they were very cruel and full of fiendish games. They lured hapless mortals into their midst. Some used hypnosis, some used seduction. Some used the promise of money or food on the poor things. Some dangled love and adoration like a carrot before their noses. Vampires know very intimately the needs and wants of humans. Perhaps it is because they have only one desire, and that is... Blood. Blood, blood, and more blood. If there is an elegant place with fine jewels and art and candlelight and music to lay the setting for that blood, then wonderful. But it is really rather tertiary. Blood was everything to them. And this little group held court in their palace for hundreds of years. Inside, it was like a never-ending festival of gluttonous horror, for they took turns sleeping, hunting, feeding. The only thing they didn't do themselves was the cleaning, for when they had to dispose of the remnants of their feasting, 
they enlisted the help of the neediest humans of all, who lived only to serve them. I'm sorry, it's not a terribly pleasant story, at least not yet. But we have to start somewhere, don't we? Night in, night out, these vampires walked through chambers, played with the humans they considered their food, dined in their halls to the melody of screams and cries for help, and crawled back into their dusty crypts to rest, full and sated and eager to be hungry enough soon to repeat the process all over again. Hundreds of years of this, a horrible rain. Now, one of these vampires is the beautiful and powerful one you wanted me to imagine up for you. He rose from his crypt one night, stretched and hungered. He thought he might like to torment one of the servants today, one of the humans who cleaned up their mess, one of the shivering things that lived in the chambers up high in the towers, with just enough food and water and warmth to put up with such a life. Sometimes when he was bored, he liked to be a little more devious than usual and play games with them. So he slid up the stone stairs to the servants' quarters, silent as a breeze, and he opened the door, for of course they were not allowed locks, and he went in. He thought he might find something to punish someone for, an unmade bed, a stolen cup, a rose from the garden, something trivial like that. He didn't even know whose room he was in, but he would find something. He looked around, and everything was neat and tidy and bare and bland. He ran his finger along a table, hoping to catch dust, but there was none. But that's where he saw something. It was a little manuscript. Writing. Black handwriting against several pages of yellowing paper. He didn't know these things could write. Perhaps they had too much free time. He indulged himself and began to read. He read the story of a vampire a beautiful and powerful vampire living in a large stone castle with several other beautiful and powerful vampires who feasted night after night on the blood of hapless mortals who had servants' quarters in their home for the poor humans who cleaned up their mess. And this one vampire in the story found his way up to those quarters with the goal of tormenting one of those humans for his delight. He found a manuscript, and he began to read it. 
looking up from the pages, the vampire saw a mirror in the room. Funny he didn't think there were any in the castle. Mostly because these vampires weren't really aware of what they were used for. It was a belief long held among vampires that they had no reflection. But it had been believed so deeply for so many years that no one ever tried to find any evidence. They just accepted it as fact, generation after generation. And so there was no need for mirrors. But this vampire saw himself in this mirror, in the servant's room, and he realized that he did, indeed, have a reflection. He never knew his eyes seemed kind. He never knew his curls looked soft. He never knew how upright he stood. He looked so... Good. Almost. Innocent. He turned back to the pages, and it described the vampire going down to the eternal feast, the never-ending party, the horrors he participated in night after night. The words described how decadent, how wasteful, how lustily and greedily he drank far more blood than he would ever need to. They described how monstrous he would appear. The writer lamented that something so lovely in appearance could be so ugly at heart. They mourned that something so fortunate in wealth could be so poor in virtue. He arched his brow and set the manuscript down. How strange. He descended the stairs, thinking to rejoin the eternal feast. But the stairs were somehow different. He had traveled them before, but now he was thinking, who was this human who wrote such words, who observed him so critically and with such flowery language? How dare they? And the worst part was that he was doing exactly what they said he would. He was going down the stairs to repeat the violent acts he always did. Was he so predictable? Was it so obvious? He heard the words describing him as he walked. If he grinned menacingly, he remembered that from the writing, and he stopped. If he licked his fangs hungrily, he blushed and heard the words describing him doing that very thing. He observed himself entering the great hall where his vampire companions danced with dazzled humans, and he recalled every time he had done the same, and heard it in the unknown servant's writing, too. He entered a room hidden by curtains, where vampires fed quietly so as not to fright the humans who hadn't caught on yet. And his stomach turned to think someone knew he had done so exactly the same way so many times. He went to the back rooms, 
that were made of stone and hidden by heavy doors, where horrors occurred and no one could hear the screams from outside. Had the servant written about that, too? How had it all become so ordinary to him? Terribly usual, very uneventful, and just like the myth about the mirrors. He had never thought to question what they were doing. They had been doing it for centuries, after all. The vampires lived well, and their system certainly had served them. So why change it? But perhaps, just perhaps, just like the myth about the mirrors, it was wrong. Hours later, somewhere else in the castle, a servant was scrubbing blood from a stone. She had done it many times before. She needed to do it to live. But it never became ordinary, usual, or uneventful. It was always, always horrible. She had spent most of her life here, participating in a world that she knew was unfair and cold and deceptive and wrong. But life was precious, and one did what one could with it. Besides, she had a way of surviving. Not just eating, sleeping, drinking, and working. A way of surviving this nightmare. She wrote. She wrote down what she saw, what she felt, what she never wanted to allow to grow stale, what she never wanted to grow numb to. And every time she wrote it down, it was new again. And sometimes that made it all the more horrible. But sometimes, every now and then, like this night, for example, as she scrubbed the stone by the front door. She was fortunate enough to be outside, alone, with a unique view of some large fir trees. She saw two partridges sitting on a branch, nuzzling each other in the moonlight. It began to rain, and they clung to each other tighter for warmth. She felt the rain on her skin, and the blood she scrubbed washed so easily from her hands as she could for a moment be not inside of the vampire's castle of filth, but rather outside in the great wide world, full of possibilities and wonders, where partridges loved each other. As she was watching it, an angry vampire opened the door and bellowed at her to get inside, for if she became sick with pneumonia, it would be easier to eat her than to cure her. She made her way upstairs to her chamber, where she intended to document the sight, so she wouldn't forget that either. 
It was perhaps even more important to write down the things that made her feel anything other than despair. That did a much better job at keeping the numbness at bay. She opened her door, and a vampire sat on her bed, holding her papers in his hands. She gasped and clasped her hands to her mouth. She was done for, done for. But it was the one with the eyes that she always thought appeared to be kind, even if they weren't. It was the one with the curls that were soft, and his spine so tall and straight, you'd think he'd never committed a sin in his life. She always knew she would die here, but did it have to be at the hands of this one? Just as an added twist of fate, that the one who looked the sweetest would deliver the killing blow. He was looking at the mirror, and she realized just how shaken he was by his reflection. Is that what you see? He asked. She turned to look at her own reflection in the mirror as well. She saw her own face with his in the frame. Though her weak and thinning hair was dirty and wet, and her eyes were tired and sunken and purple with exhaustion. They each looked as young and innocent as the other, though neither felt it, not one jot. He looked so confused. She, too, was very confused. If he wasn't a cruel predator, and she wasn't frightened prey, what were they to each other in this moment, then? What were they doing here? What on earth were they doing in this castle? What were any of them doing? She sat beside him on the bed, both of them looking in the mirror. Some time passed before he started to quietly sing. He sang to her beside him, to her in the reflection, but mostly to his own reflection. And to us, even here, in our own castles. Don't you hear him in the halls? on the balconies, through the mirrors. Don't you hear his song echoing in the chambers of the place you dwell? He could attack if he wanted to, but for now, he just wants to sit beside you and sing. I made some mistakes in my life before I knew what was right. I'm sorry. I thought only of me and of a limited eternity. Only for me. 
Come nearer to me, I won't bite anymore It's clearer to me, I'm not who I was before Don't you worry, there's no hurry I think I know how you feel Do you know how I feel? Have you forgotten to breathe? Have you been afraid to just be? When you scream at the void and the void screams back And your brain says there's nothing to do but a tackle Stop, take a breath Cause I'm with you all the same Stop, take a breath to forget would be a shame Stop, take, take a, a breath. breath Life is nothing like they claimed But it's better than that Much better than that Cause it's yours You're lost and afraid and there's no one to blame but yourself I'm sorry But when it gets a bit lonely and frightening I made you a gift It's a story Come nearer to me, I am yours evermore It's clearer to me, you are mine evermore Don't you worry there's no hurry I know just how it is that you feel Do you know that all this is real? Have you forgotten to see? Have you been satisfied to believe? When you look with your eyes at the world outside And you can't remember what it was like back inside Oh, stop, stop, take a breath Cause I'm with you all the same Stop, take a breath To forget would be a shame Stop, take a breath Life is nothing like they claimed But it's better than that Much better than that Cause it's yours They left They left Together You know, my friend, my other friend in the castle has calmed down. The story is done. It's all she wanted was just to have things return to what she's used to. A story for every chamber of our imaginary castle. But it's unclear if the vampire and the writer are in his castle or hers 
or mine or yours. All my best vampires are remorseful, I think. That's not an apology, it's an observation. Maybe wishful thinking. That powerful, greedy things might develop the wherewithal to observe their habits and change them. But it would be foolish to ignore the part that we play in their drama, too. But that's beside the point. This is not about guilt or shame. It's about the true power to see the story you've blindly fallen into with fresh eyes and then decide consciously where it will go next. Thank you. You are most welcome, my ghostly friend. Now, where will our story go? Hello, friends. Thank you so much for listening to episode 247 of On a Dark Cold Night. This is Kristen Zaza, your host, writer, narrator, composer, your Kristen and your formless spirit and vampire and writer, etc., etc., etc. I hope you've been well. Sending blessings for the autumn equinox, for Mobbin, for our upcoming full moon this week. Thank you especially to everyone who supports the show on a monthly basis on Patreon. I appreciate it so deeply. Every supporter of $1 or more a month gets my complete soundtrack of the show. That's over 200 downloadable tracks. While every supporter of $5 or more gets that, a monthly tarot reading video I make for these patrons every full moon. Again, look out for that later this week. And a weekly bonus mini-meditation episode called Quick Moments on Thursdays. You can learn more at patreon.com slash darkcoldnight. You can also support me by donating one time only through coffee.com without those perks. Uh, but you can help me reach the goal of upgrading my tech a little to help keep making the show and hopefully make it better. Learn more at ko-fi.com slash darkcoldnight. You can also buy a t-shirt or hoodie at bonfire.com slash on-a-dark-cold-night. I'm very grateful to be a finalist this year in the Signal Awards under the category of Best Bedtime Podcast. If you're enjoying the show, you can vote in the Listener's Choice category for me by visiting vote.signalaward.com, signing up, and searching for On a Dark Cold Night. Or you can go to the Best Bedtime Podcast category under General. I would really appreciate it. You can follow me on social media. I'm on Blue Sky and TikTok at Kristen Zaza. Facebook and YouTube under On a Dark Cold Night. Instagram at Dark Cold Night Podcast. Twitter at A Dark Cold Night. I'd love if you left me a rating and a review wherever you like to rate and review podcasts as well. That would be lovely. Thank you again for being with me tonight. 
This concept of jamais vu is an interesting one to me. I hope that perhaps we can experience it more and more uh, to resist that urge to become numb in our own lives. Even though we live in patterns, even though we participate in systems that are a little difficult often, I think we need to remain conscious and aware, especially of each other, all of us. At least that's my goal, anyway, and something I'm thinking about today. I wish you all a wonderful night's rest, whenever you get it. Sweet dreams, my friends. This podcast has been brought to you by the Sonar Network. Sonar.